Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton, hour number two. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer joining you from the home office. Brennan Escott back at 6.30 Chad. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, we are going to quickly head off in the River Creek Resort Casino hotline to our headliner today for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training and is taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. We welcome back to the show. A two-time Stanley Cup uh, champion with the Edmonton Oilers and two dates yesterday and tomorrow, uh, May 24th and May 26th, that are central to the anniversaries of key days in Craig Simpson's life. Craig, welcome back to Oilers Now. Uh, thank you for taking time to join us. How are you doing? I'm okay, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we've privately discussed... My feelings on those teams, specifically your 1990 Stanley Cup championship team. Yesterday was the anniversary of that 30 years ago. We'll get to that one in a second. <laughs> but I want to I get to 88 because tomorrow's the anniversary of 88, a year in which you guys went 16-2, and two, but you had the most bizarre set of circumstance going. And that's where I want to go. You're sitting there in the Stanley Cup final. You got a chance to clinch in Boston. You get to 3-3, you just score, and boom, the lights went out. Take us through what was going on in your guys' room and how quickly you knew that they were just going to end the game and you're going to end up flying back to Edmonton. Yeah, it was such a it was such a strange scenario and one that, uh, you know, obviously had never happened before. So there wasn't really a, a precedent to say, oh, yeah, we've seen this before. You know, I, I just remember personally – um, you know, my first 
chance to win the Stanley Cup. We had 15 wins. You go into that game, you can't sleep all night. You're anxious about the, uh, you know, in your mind envisioning what's going to happen later in the game. And uh, when we scored to tie at 3-3, I thought, okay, the game's ours. We're coming back. We got lots of another period to go. So when the lights went out, I remember having like one foot on the bench and all of a sudden it went dark. Um, you saw, if you watched the replay, how quickly they did get us off the ice because it was clear that there was no um, lights that were going to come back. And that was really the frustrating part. You know, you're in such uh, limbo. The emotions are running high thinking, okay, we got this game. Now you're wondering, gosh, are we going to like have to sit here for a couple hours? Or uh, Nobody seemed to really know uh, exactly what the ruling would be for about, 30, 35, 40 minutes. And uh, I just remember the frustration of not having a result. You know, after that game, when it was said, we've got to go back to Edmonton, I think everybody in our room was pleased that at least, you know, we had an opportunity to go back and win it on home ice. But I just remember, Bob, the crazy emotions of, you know, it would have been one thing had you lost your first opportunity to, to win a Stanley Cup. But to have no result and no finish to the game, it, it was just bizarre and it was very frustrating to have to deal with. Well, some could say it's sort of a, a microcosm, and we'll get to this a little bit later on. You guys are so used to, you know, your own, you know, personal control of your destiny and having it yeah. kind of taken away. And it, it's kind of like what today's players dealt with <laughs> with this season. We Like, there's no, this had never happened before in the NHL at that time, and I mean, you're, you're sitting in the dressing room. What did you guys end up? I mean, diets were a little bit different. Did you pound back some pizza and think, well, no, we might end up? I, I can't even remember. I think we ended up, uh, you, you know, the TV cameras, there wasn't even really any lights in there. So we had a couple of the handheld TV cameras come in with their lights and shine them up so that we could at least see what was going on. And uh, I think it was pretty clear after. 35, 40 minutes that we were done for the night. So, you know, then it was like, oh, gosh, okay. Uh, I think we quickly organized the team meal. I'm sure we had something already pre-planned, you know, expecting or hoping to win. So it just was so odd that, you know, personally for me, I had my my mom and dad, uh, my brother and sister. I had the Matthews family uh, who I lived with in Pittsburgh as uh, my first two years. They had come with just an overnight bag from Pittsburgh to Boston, and all of a sudden we're looking and saying, "Guys, you, you got to come to Edmonton. Like we're we're going to win this thing, and I I don't want you to miss it again." So, you know, there there was just the uncertainty and the strangeness, and you mentioned about this being smack dab between the two Stanley Cup wins. You know, ironically. 30 years ago and 32 years ago on this day, we were flying back from Boston to uh, uh, to Edmonton. And the one 30 years ago was a little bit more celebratory. <laughs> the one 32 years ago was like, oh, God, we got to wait another 24 hours to try to win this thing. Did you not get sick yeah, as well? well? This, yeah, that's the terrible thing. Uh, you know, I ended up, my, my family did come. The Matthews made it. And we had a nice, you know, dinner the night before. I woke up at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And from about 2 o'clock in the morning till an hour before puck drop, I, I, I threw up almost like every hour and a half, two hours. It was one of those strange days that, uh, you know, I kept thinking I'd waited my whole life for this. We had what happened in Boston. And I remember a great quote. Uh, I came into the morning skate, uh, didn't do anything had a half a bowl of soup and had to 
uh, I threw that up right there. So I went home and tried to sleep as much as I can. And if you remember, Kelly Buckberger was uh, was not playing in the series, and you know he would have been the guy who got to go in. And Bucky came to me when I got to the rink later on. He looked at me and says, "I got no chance of playing, do I?" <laughs> I said, "Sorry, buddy, no." Uh, so it was, you know, frustrating and disappointing, but another great example of. Uh, you know, you're just going on adrenaline at that point and the opportunity to what lay ahead and win the Stanley Cup. And like so often, the hockey gods took care of me with allowing me to at least contribute a little bit. And uh, the rest was just sort of a blur after that. The excitement of winning kind of got me through the whole night. And uh, But, yeah, it was a, it was a strange 24 hours uh, for sure. You guys ended up going 16-2. and two. I personally watched, uh, I guess, Game 4, the real Game 4, yep. uh, in a place called Steen River with three or four of my fellow co-workers at the home of an Indigenous family. And the, the sort of uh, the guy that invited us in uh, looks at me and goes, don't worry, the Oilers are going to crap kick him tonight like he's like they're gonna smoke <laughs> yeah. tonight. he's like it ain't gonna and he is 100 percent right and was there any doubt when you got back at home ice i mean you guys went no. 16 and 2 in that playoff run you had the top five scores you had grant fewer played 75 games during the regular season there was no question you were closing the deal that night was there what, no not at all and that's what struck me about that whole playoff run like for me uh, as a 21-year-old in my third uh, year in the league, it, it was my first experience of just playoffs. Forget about the Stanley Cup final. But what struck me through that entire playoff was just the focus and confidence of the group. You know, so many guys had been a part of the three cups in four years, and uh, I think they, they really felt a, a huge sense that we weren't going to let it get away from us once once we beat Calgary, in my mind, it was Wayne and Mark and the gang uh, of leaders of that group were like, okay, we're not, we're not taking anything for granted. We're just going to get this business done. So it was quite an amazing group and a great ride. And, uh, you know, to, to see the, the kind of excellence in those four games, I think Wayne had, what, 10 or 13 points in the four games of the Stanley Cup Finals alone. So uh, it, was, it was something to be a part of. And... I, I just couldn't believe the fact that when the guys put their mind to it, I, I felt right from early on in that playoffs that there was no way this group was going to let us not win the Stanley Cup. And that that's pretty intimidating. And when you look at that record of 16-2, and two, there's a great example of just how strong that they were. In your wildest dreams, all right, so you win the Cup. Could you have imagined when Wayne's gathering everybody together for that photo on ice in 88, that that'd be the last time Wayne would ever play a game as an order? No, no, just shocking. And, uh, you, you know, the history of that, of me being around when he got traded, I, I just thought there, too, that, you know, with the additions that we had made, you got a, you know, a young Bill Ranford as a backup to Grant. Uh, my first year there was my best year in the league. We had, you know, some really good depth guys that were, were such an important part. I, uh, saw the back end, how strong our, our defense all played. And I think I was thinking, oh, gosh, we could probably win, you know, the next two maybe even. So it was a shocker. But uh, as as you know, two years later, the testament of the growth of the team, the respect of the top guys of, you know, digging in and getting back to that top level was, was pretty exciting to be a part of as well. well 
Well, uh, as we're joined by Craig Simpson on Champions Week, we're going to have uh, an Oiler player during the Oiler Dynasty each day tomorrow. Grant Fuhr uh, will join us on Oilers now. But, uh, you know, I, I will tell you, Craig, that the response we're getting on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063, for all the love and respect that fans have for Wayne, and they've heard they've been fortunate to hear Wayne sort of once a month on the show for yep. pretty much the last couple of years, uh, and, I, I, and, you know, Everybody's got such reverence for Wayne. A lot of the fans, they think the 1990 Stanley Cup championship is one of their favorites because you guys proved you could win without Grants. Was there any of that in in, in the room? Like, hey, man, uh, people don't underestimate the caliber and the talent that's that's still left here. And some of you know some of the. I mean, there's still yeah. three Hall of Fame forwards. Yeah, now, but yeah. Wayne and Paul Coffey were gone. Those were, you know, two of the six Hall of Fame players. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the important step to allowing us to get to the heights we had in 90 was losing a 3-1 lead in 89 against Wayne and learning our lesson of, uh, you know, not playing him and respecting the your opponent like you would or play as hard as you can. You know, we really let that one get away. And that was the stinger that I think sort of reset everybody the next year. You had uh, Glenn stepping aside and John Muckler taking over, made a lot of changes during the year. And, and I really think that you needed to have that loss to sort of cut the tie and maybe even get the fire burning in the belly a little bit more. Uh, I've told you this before many times, Bob, I think the, the way we started to play and think as a group in January, February sort of laid the framework. And then to be tested in that playoffs, you know, I think coming in, we said, okay, we just blew a 3-1 lead last year. We've got uh, a fresh start. Let's get her going. And then to get down 3-1 and do the exact opposite, I, I think just got everybody the confidence and drive that we needed. And sometimes, Bob, you, you get an opponent. Uh, in a playoff series that is the perfect opponent at the perfect time. And I think back to 1990 after coming back 3-1 to one against Winnipeg, to get Wayne and the Kings in round two was just the perfect timing for us because we had been tested hard. We were Stanley Cup playoff ready now. We had a lot of hungry hearts out there that wanted to prove a lot. Uh, not just, you know, Wayne and Yari and, and Andy, but the young guys like Murph and Peter Klima and Marty Jelena and Bill Ranford and that. And we just steamrolled them. I, I thought that was really one of those fortunate times where it was the right opponent at the right time. And that just started us moving downhill towards the championship. Craig Simpson joining us, longtime analyst with NHL Hockey and Rogers. Uh, Bob Stoffer with you. We're talking about Champions Week, the Oilers 88-90 championships. Uh, I believe it was roughly about Game 5 that John Muckler kind of stuck with Graves, Murphy, and Jelena. Uh, and Adam Graves, the character that he brought. And the Oilers, to me, never really saw the offensive potential come to fruition. But I think you guys yeah. could see it was coming. But, but how important was that kid line to your guys' run that year? I think it was so important because of energy. And, you know, when I look back and watch some of the uh, 88 uh, series against Boston, that's what really stuck out was there wasn't a rest. You know, everybody kept pushing. You had lines that uh, managed the puck well, that got in and forechecked. And I look at that line uh, in, you, you know, you had Mark Lamb did a great job with Yari and Tick. And our line had uh, from the start had things rolling there. You had good experience with Mac as another centerman in a, in a line that could play anywhere. 
But that line kept the pressure on. Even if they didn't score, they were a handful. And you know what it's like when you get into a series where the momentum swings. If a team can have a breather of a line or two, it allows them to regroup and maybe get a matchup back. And what I found with that group was they just kept the, the momentum going forward. They'd spend time in the offensive zone. Maybe if the game was getting a little slow or we were losing some of our edge, they could come up with a big four-check shift and spend 30, 40 seconds in the offensive zone. And sometimes they weren't necessarily the one that scored, but another line would come out after and have a good shift, and then we'd score after that. And, you know, I, I thought that's what Muck, he, he finally, you know, into their credit, you got to earn their respect. He, he got the responsibility in them. He trusted them. He allowed them to play against some difficult matchups. And that, to me, was what their real success was. Whether they scored a bunch or not, they were that, they were that momentum swinger, and they could keep everything going and keep the opponent on back on their heels and allow other lines to come out and maybe get a better opportunity to score after as well. Our guest is Craig Simpson. We're talking about the 88 and 1990 Stanley Cup championships. Craig was part of both teams. This is Champions Week. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers now. Craig, game four in Chicago. You're down 2-1, and Mark Messier was just, he was out of this world. Like, to me, that's the best game Messier ever played as an Oiler. You're on the ice. It's a different, you know, difficult situation. The Hawks, you know, the Oilers smoked them uh, in 83 and again in 85. Yeah. They thought Jeremy Uronek was on the verge of becoming a pretty important player. They they had you guys on the ropes, and Messier just took the series over in that game. I, I, I just remember that game, uh, how important it was for us. You know, we had we gotten rid of the Kings, and it's our chance to get back to the final. And you know when you're down 2-1, to one, you're playing on the road, this is a game that you got to have. And I, I just remember the... The calmness and the focus, uh, Mess was just quiet before, was very stoic, but very, uh, you know, focused in on what had to be done. And we knew that you're getting certain matchups that you got to try to win and you got to will yourself to get around it. And I, I just remember the the laser focus of, of Mark and the, and the quietness in the room, but the confidence as well. And you could tell at times where this is a special game. Everybody's got to get ready to go. And that was a game, quite frankly, for our line that we had to prove that, you know, we could we could carry this team too. And we got all four of the goals that night, and Mark was in on every single one of them. And, uh, you know, it was one of those special games and special nights, and that's what makes him such a special leader. And I think when you go back to that one, you know, we clawed ourselves back in the series, and we, we imposed – his will and our will collectively on it and from that point on again it was the collective confidence of the group to follow his lead and so that is one of those games when you look at and said that that one definitely was one that helped us win the stanley cup so you play boston it's been much discussed the overtime winner in game one but you smoked them in three of the four wins yeah what i remember is the caliber of the first two goals in game five Anderson basically <laughs> embarrassing the combination. Yeah. I mean, it was it was Sweeney and uh, Ray Bork. I mean, Glenn Anderson scored a. I mean, that is, is an a elite beauty. level a beauty. And then and then he set you up and you drove hard to Lynette. They rammed you through the goal. But the the caliber of the two. I was watching up in Wells. A guy named Dan Baker runs up uh, nineteen oh five. And me, we're working together. He looks at me after the second goal. He's and same thing. He's like, this thing's over. I mean, yeah. they just they just took they just beat their top defense pairing on back to back world class goals. 
And well, did you did you guys know it at that stage as you gained the lead two nothing that you had him on the ropes and you're going to be able to put him down? Yeah, you know, like that that to me is again why Glenn is a is a Hall of Famer and was such an important uh, playoff performer. You, we we all knew the importance of getting that first goal. You, you talk so often of of just imposing your will on your opponent, taking away their will to win, letting them know that this is not going to be a night where you can break us down, and, and quite the opposite. So I, I think everybody was focused. I, I thought game game four in Edmonton was another one of those Chicago-like games that we took it to them, we put them down, we put them on the ropes, and Glenn came out and really by himself, two great individual efforts, took that game over. And you, you see the reaction of Don Sweeney after Andy put it through his legs and around him. He was ready to smash his stick over the crossbar and didn't. On the goal, you're talking about mine. If you watch the replay again, Mets drew two guys trying to get back. One of them, Ray Bork, and the other one, a forward coming back. And that allowed him, uh, Andy, a little bit more time and then Lane opened up for me. And to make that kind of a, you know, behind the back, no look pass, tape to tape, just tells you, you know, how focused he was and how great he was. And uh, I think there's no question when that one went in, we, we felt this is ours. We're not letting this one get away. Uh, one final one for you. I mean, you guys never gave up more than two goals in the entire series. It speaks yeah. to Grand Fear, but does it also maybe speak to just how good, a, you know, your your defense doesn't get the credit that they deserve? Guys like Steve Smith shutting down Cam Neely in 88 and again in 90. Yeah, both years. I actually text Smitty. Uh, I did a uh, online watch party for Sportsnet on the on the blackout game, and I text him after. It's just another reminder. I said, Smitty, I just wanted to say – you know, how damn good you were and how how solid you played. And that whole decor, you, you think, you know, in 88, Kevin was playing with a broken hand and guys are always having injuries. Everybody blocked shots. Everybody sacrificed their body. Everybody had a great stick and could make a play under pressure. And more importantly, just collectively as a group, they were just so hard to play against. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting to see and get and get reminded again of that how much it changed you know paul coffee was such a dynamic offensive player that it changed the way that they played back in the earlier cup wins but i think those last two it's just it's the prime example of der- determination blocking shots sacrificing taking the body and uh, i think they were such an underrated group but such an important role to how we were able to win both of those stanley cups Craig, I know there's been a, uh, you know, you guys have dealt with some personal tragedy in uh, your family. Uh, my condolences. We appreciate you taking time during a challenging time for you and wish you the best, uh, you and yours moving forward. And, uh, hey, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you down the road here for a little bit of hockey. Yeah, thanks a lot, Bob. I appreciate all the sentiments. Take care. All right, you, you bet. That is uh, Craig Simpson, who was part of the owner's 88 and 90 championship team and, of course, is a lead analyst for Hockey Night in in Canada. We will tell you that our friends all season long at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers uh, have the injury report. And when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, they want to let you know, stay safe, but stay positive. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McCarthy and the wonderful world of Wilkins coming up when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.